Today we're picking up where we left off with yesterday's conversation about 5G. Today's episode focuses on 5G adoption, what the legitimate benefits are, as well as how carriers are bringing 5G to the streets and into homes. Let's jump back into the conversation already in progress. Let's talk about the impact of a 5G iPhone. This uh, Apple has the ability to spread pixie dust on any technology when they enter the arena with it. How important do you think 5G uh, is to Apple? And how important do you think Apple is to 5G? Well, it's a great way to frame that question because I think it's 5G absolutely needs Apple to embrace this technology. Apple, as you said, has a way of turning nascent early technology, things like mobile payment, things like wireless charging into the must-have feature of the year, right? And so everyone's anticipating that Apple is going to make 5G that next big must-have technology. Never mind the folks who think they have it already. Uh, Apple is going to educate consumers on why exactly they're going to need this upgrade, upgrade their phones. And so it's a huge deal. Uh, And, you know, I think some statisticians have said that if once Apple starts selling an iPhone 5G, it'll automatically become the second largest iPhone or 5G vendor in the world behind Huawei. And keep in mind, Samsung has been doing this for about a year and a half. They've been selling 5G devices, uh, but the presence of Apple getting to it is so huge that almost automatic, automatically they become a major player in 5G. Do you think we have a problem out there with the fact that 5G is arriving with uh, a need for a new handset, which isn't cheap? and a need to ostensibly pay more for carriage, although that'll vary widely by carrier, uh, at a time when people are trending toward less expensive handsets. Like you just mentioned, Samsung, they have this new Galaxy uh, S20 FE fan edition that is hundreds less than their previous flagship. Uh, New Google devices have recently come out rather inexpensive. Uh, uh, LG, uh, you you know, our our favorite iPhone right now, I think, is the iPhone SE, if you read between the lines of CNET reviews, and that is certainly not the flagship 11 Pro. The market's tending toward more value-priced phones. Is this an awkward time to ask folks to buy a new phone and pay more for service? Uh, It's certainly a difficult time to ask anyone to spend, you know, $1,000 plus for a new phone. But that said, there will be people who will spend that much money. Keep in mind, the phone is basically the most critical tool in your life, right? You, it's the one thing you basically can't let, can't not let go of. So yeah. I think there are a number of people that are willing to spend that much. And we'll see what Apple does in terms of pricing. Remember last year with the, the iPhone 11, they did actually bring the price down a little bit for the base model. There's some rumors that it might go even lower this time. And so Apple might, you know, sort of take a cue from what's going on in the world and offer of a bit of a break but still have that 5G functionality. It really depends on what they show off, but um, it, I don't think price is going to be as huge of a factor. If you keep in mind that if you are an iPhone user, you know, you're a lot less likely to s- switch over to Android at this point. You're kind of locked into your ecosystem. You've got your apps. You've, you've basically invested into this world. Uh, and, and regardless of what the price is, once this new phone comes out, if you're two or three years, if you've got an iPhone that's two or three years old, you're probably going to upgrade to a new iPhone. I think it's really interesting what you say about how when Apple enters a market of a nascent technology, it quite literally can make it, that technology, the must-have thing of the year. Uh, that's not overstating their their power, is it? Absolutely not. I mean, they, like I said, with mobile payments, that was a thing that happened for years. Google had been trying to get this off the ground for a long time. Uh, there were a number of players that tried to get mobile wallets and then being able to pay at the cash register with your phone. And people questioned why you would even need this technology. But as soon as Apple came in with an iPhone that allowed you to do it, the sentiment turned around automatically. And all of a sudden, you know, everyone had to try this out. And it didn't matter that the, the retailers weren't even quite ready for this. You couldn't quite use it everywhere. 
but it still became this sort of must-have feature. And I think with 5G, because of the way this technology is and what it potentially could enable, has a much, much larger potential. Uh, and there's a much bigger opportunity for the impact 5G can have once Apple is on board with pushing it. Uh, I know so often we'll be covering, let's say, um, an Apple event and they'll roll out new features. And it's not uncommon to be seen there as a reporter and say, oh, yeah, Android does that. Android does that. Android does that. It's not about being first. Apple just has to be Apple and they can bring a spotlight to something without necessarily being at the bleeding edge, which uh, tends to make them a little uncomfortable, it seems, uh, frankly. Roger, let me ask you, uh, as we kind of start to put this all into a, into a little package here and put a bow on it, as we look at 2021, what do you think, uh, just off the top of your head, I'm asking you here, what do you think 5G needs to accomplish and or communicate to have a good 21 to really deliver on its promise from the consumer point of view, which we're focused on. Absolutely. I think 5G and the folks behind 5G, the carriers, the handset makers, this whole industry that's really banking on 5G to be successful really needs to explain to consumers why they need it. Because right now, the, the key selling point for 5G is FOMO, is that if you're going to mm -hmm. upgrade your phone now, well, if you're going to keep that phone for three or four years, you probably want to get 5G, not for now, but for that three or four years from now when the network is really great. And so I think 2021 is going to be a lot more of that. It's, it's going to be trying to justify why 5G exists. And I'm, I'm an optimist when it comes to this technology. I've seen what happened with 4G and the fact that you know apps like, like Uber, Airbnb, Instagram, they all took off after 4G became prevalent. We got faster speeds on our phone. And so I'm, I'm confident, or at least I'm hopeful, that once 5G is more broadly deployed, partly thanks to Apple, that developers will start taking advantage of it, will start thinking about how to use these higher speeds and that low latency for apps that really do things that they don't do now. And that's really the key is figuring out those killer apps. So if there is no killer app right now, there is no real reason why you'd want to buy a 5G phone. I'm thinking about upgrading to a 5G iPhone. My wife has heard me rant about it for a while now. She's like, why do you really need it? I've heard all your arguments for why you don't need one. And it's, it's true beyond just, again, FOMO, don't really need it. I don't think anyone really needs it. But if you're upgrading, now's the time to do it, right? Yeah, it's, it ends up being the 4K TV of phones. If you're upgrading, you definitely want to get it. But are you going to necessarily see a resolution difference and or have a lot of content in it? That was a difficult sell early on in the 4K TV era. Uh, which I guess we're pretty well established in now. Eli, a lot of what uh, what Roger's bringing up is uh, you know the killer 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 app killer use case, and a lot of people talk about economic opportunity this will create. Fancy term for what's the next Uber, the next Airbnb, the next uh, grocery and meal delivery services that 4G ushered in. What do you think 5G might usher in? As you do your coverage, is there any particular thing that it can make possible? augmented reality gets mentioned a lot that you're particularly in favor of, or is it too wide open and early to tell? It, I, it's a little bit of both. It's it's definitely in the early stages and also 5G, it's a cell phone. It's a cellular network and it's something that you traditionally would be using out and about. And a lot of people right now are very much stuck at home. So when it comes to looking at where 5G can disrupt, it's a couple of things we touched on before. It's, it's home broadband. For a lot of people, they're stuck with one provider. Yeah. As the 5G networks improve, Sure, you may not be going, you know, to work or to school or to a ball game, but if you have another option now for your home provider, that could save you some money and provide a, a pretty good experience, potentially even a better experience than what you currently have. So for home internet, that's one area I see disruption. And as far as killer apps, uh, telemedicine is fascinating to me when it comes to 5G. Mm. 
it, the fact that you can have a conversation with a doctor, it, it theoretically was pitched as like, you can have a conversation with a doctor around the world or across the country. Now it could just be a doctor in their office and you at home because people aren't traveling. And to be able to have that in real time and to enable potentially some applications that a doctor could send you so that they can see, for example, there was a company, I believe it's called Butterfly IQ, that had what amounted to basically a portable sonogram. And they, it's a stick that connects to your phone and you can put it over your stomach or over a portion of your body and it can actually allow a doctor to see what's going on. And to enable that with 5G and to have those types of conversations or to have those types of experiences could be really life-changing for a lot of people. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm also excited about the idea of home medical kits that allow us to have an exam without having to go see the doctor, COVID or not. Convenience is always attractive. Uh, Taito Care is another company that offers those kind of devices, and they will work so much better on 5G because you need that fat data channel. And then while also preserving a high quality video channel, because I think people lose confidence in telehealth when the connection is crummy and halting. They just for some reason feel like this isn't really healthcare. This is sort of survivalist connectivity. I think I should go to the office. So I, I agree. 5G may have, even though it sounds kind of sci-fi now, it may have a huge role in literally moving the doctor's offices frequently out to our homes. I want to thank Brian Cooley and Eli Blumenthal for making time for our roundtable discussion. As you can imagine, there's still a lot to talk about when it comes to 5G, so keep an ear here if you don't want to miss a beat. Also, check out Cooley's show, Now What, on CNET.com for more raw, in-depth conversations like this one. If you have any questions about 5G or anything else in the tech world, hit us up on Twitter, at The Daily Charge, or send me a text message by signing up at 646-461-4291. Also, please subscribe and rate the show, it really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang, thanks for listening.